This is day 122 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Psalms chapters 127 through 132 today. And with this, we'll be back on track for doing five chapters a day. Lord Heavenly Father, we are nothing but dust, but yet you are the designer and the creator of all things. You have fashioned us, and you have given us life, given us breath that is on loan. Lord, that we may recognize this every day, just how short our life is, and how much you have invited us into the work of your gospel. Lord, may we surrender our wills to you. Please help us to see this reality, that you are in control, and all of our efforts are in vain if they are apart from you. Please help us to see this today as we enter into your word. Please bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late to eat the bread of painful labors. For he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy, and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion, and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Many times they have persecuted me from my youth up, let Israel now say. Many times they have persecuted me from my youth up, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back, they lengthened their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut in two the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like grass upon the housetops, which withers before it grows up with which the reaper does not fill his hand, or the binder of sheaves his bosom. Nor do those who pass by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Out of the depths I have cried out to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? 
but there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, indeed, more than the watchman of the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters, or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord, from this time forth and forever. Remember, O Lord, on David's behalf, all his affliction, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the Mighty One of Jacob. Surely I will not enter my house, nor lie on my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes, or slumber to my eyelids, until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the Mighty One of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah, we heard of it in the field of Jair. Let us go into his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, to your dwelling place, you and the ark of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your godly ones sing for joy. For the sake of David, your servant, do not turn away the face of your anointed. The Lord has sworn to David a truth from which he will not turn back. Of the fruit of your body I will set upon your throne. Of the fruit of your body I will set upon your throne. If your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony which I will teach them, their sons also shall sit upon your throne forever. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her needy with bread. Her priests also I will clothe with salvation, and her godly ones will sing aloud for joy. There I will cause the horn of David to spring forth. I have prepared a lamp for mine anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but upon himself his crown shall shine. Okay, so another short reading today, and I hope we're not getting too spoiled on these being too short, because this is not going to last. I think we are past the point of the Bible where the chapters are exceedingly long, but there are some that are fairly long in the near future, but they should not be as long as they have been, where I'm talking for 30 to 35 minutes, just going through just the, the scripture. So if you're concerned for the length of time of these, then hopefully you won't be too disappointed. 
they will increase as we go into the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and so on and so forth, but it won't be as long as I think it would be in the early parts of the Old Testament, because some of those were long and difficult to read. But anyway, that, let's just get to the scripture at hand today. So Psalm 127 is a psalm of Solomon, and in his psalm, he's talking about how we should live our life dependent on the Lord. And that's why he starts off by saying, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And then you get the sense if you have read the book of Ecclesiastes before, you can see the similarities in Solomon's speech about vanity about things being meaningless, useless. So he's illustrating here how if the Lord's not involved in anything that we do, it's pointless. If it's not for his glory, it's pointless. If you're trying to work your way into something spiritual, it will be a waste of time. It's like it says, It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Now, that's not to say that we should not try to get up early. He's not giving us the okay to sleep in and go to bed early or anything like that, but the point he's trying to make is that, you know, work is necessary, but without the blessing of God, there's no point to it. So what are we doing with that time? I think is the more poignant question at this time. When we stay up late, are we doing it for the glory of God or are we just serving ourselves? Doing the secret sins, wasting time on TV, video games, drinking, if that happens to be you. What are we doing early in the morning? Are we being fruitful and productive with our time? And is it for the glory of God? So that's what the focus should be in Psalm 127. But then secondly, it's talking about the benefit to having children. Children are a gift of the Lord. And in that day and age, it certainly was a sign of prosperity and of blessing. Because in those days, unfortunately, women for the most part were viewed and valued based on how many kids they could have. That's one aspect of this. But at the other hand, we know this from the scriptures as well, that there are many times where God closes the womb, and when the woman is barren, they produce no offspring, and it causes great pain and great sorrow because the woman feels useless. So it's telling us here that children that are born when their parents are young are like arrows. For a warrior to later on in life to defend and support their parents in their old age. So children certainly are a blessing. And that's why I think certain policies in our governments like abortion, for example, and this transgender movement trying to mutilate our kids and give them puberty blockers and all these different things to prevent them from producing offspring is such a shame. It's such an evil act. Children are certainly nothing to be reviled. They are a blessing from the Lord. Psalm 128 is a very important psalm to keep in mind. 
So it's talking about the relationship between blessings and obedience to the Lord. So we talk about here that if a man, this is more speaking towards the man of the house, the, the spiritual leader of the home. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. And then you see all the benefits we get from it. When you eat the fruit of your hands, the fruit of your labors, honest, good work, you will be happy and it will be well with you. You will be content and you will be satisfied, right? Your wife will be a fruitful vine in your house. You, being the spiritual leader, should affect your spouse. And she should be successful in what she does. This isn't a guarantee, but if we are doing things for the glory of God, he blesses these things. Your children will be like olive plants around your table. Well, that may not mean much to us in this day and age, but an olive plant was a very valuable plant back then because it produced olive oil, which is a precious commodity in those days. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Now, when it talks about fear again, this isn't talking about being afraid of God, trembling when you think about him. We should have a healthy fear of God's wrath and his discipline in our lives, but what it's talking more about is if we are afraid of someone, we fear them in this regard, is an act of awe and reverence toward them. To where I'm, I know what God is capable of, and I know what he does for me and what he can do to me. And so because of that, I will obey him. I will respect him and listen to what he has to say. It's like we fear our parents, right, and to some degree. When my mom and dad, even though I'm an adult now, if my mom and dad tell me to do something, I need to listen to that because not only does it say we are supposed to honor our father and our mother, but she and he have wisdom and life experience that I don't have. And I also don't want to ruin my relationship with them. So I obey them. Same thing with the Lord. He wants us to obey him and respect what he has to say so that we can establish and grow that relationship with him. Because he is a personal being. He wants to have that intimacy with you. And if we have no investment in our walk with God, how can we fear him? Because we obviously don't. If we don't spend any time with God, and we don't listen to what he says in his word, we don't have a relationship with him. We have no fear of the Lord. And that fear of the Lord will naturally cause the rest of your life to reflect that godliness. Because you will, if you're obeying the Lord, there's going to be certain aspects of your life that will be affected by it. How you conduct yourself, how your attitude is, where you spend your time, and so on and so forth. So we need to fear the Lord. That is the beginning of wisdom, as it says in the Psalms and in the Proverbs. Psalm 129 is... A picture of Israel being like a full-grown adult, thinking back to their childhood. And what Israel is remembering is that all those times that Israel was harassed by other nations, they were threatened, and God rescued them from all those other nations that were wanting to pillage and destroy them. 
in recognizing that the Lord is the hope of Israel. So this is more of a psalm of thanksgiving to that effect about who God is and how he has provided for the nation of Israel since they first began as a nation. Psalm 130 is one that is more to entreat the Lord for his deliverance and knowing that God will forgive. I have There's a couple of verses in here that I love, that I think of often. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Lord, if you treated us according to everything our sin did and deserved, who would be able to be in your presence? No one. The answer is no one. God does not treat us as our sins deserve. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Only his children fear him, right? Your average person who is not saved does not fear the Lord. Because again, it's like that comparison with your earthly parents and being the child. Random people don't respect my parents the same way that I'm supposed to respect them. That dynamic between father and son, mother and son. And the same thing with God. Your average person will have no respect and awe and reverence for God. Unless we are his children. Because he lavishes us with his love. And we give him the respect that he is due. I love this one. I think of this one often. I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. What is the significance of this? Well, it's talking about in verse 6 that the watchman who has the night shift, where you're trying to stand guard at night and trying to see things in the dark. It's very hard to see in the dark. It's, it's either cloudy or there's just a lack of light. And so you have a very important job, and it's so easy to mess it up. You have to be extra vigilant. Because if it's broad daylight, you can see things miles away, right? But when it's dark, you can barely see what's in front of you. So it's that analogy that life is very dark, and it's very hard to see what's going on ahead of us because we have no foresight. But God is our foresight, and we need to trust that God is going to lead us down the right direction. And so my soul will wait for him, waiting for his deliverance, waiting for his guidance in our lives. In his word is where I find this hope. I find out who he is in the Bible. And through that understanding of who he is, then that gives me the hope and the expectation that God will do what he says and he will make good on his promises, which he always does. So where should our hope be? It should be in the Lord and in no one else. No institution of man, no normal passage of time, no human being. For the Americans listening, this is a very important thing to keep in mind. Because the unfortunate reality is, especially in Republican circles, is that there's an unhealthy exaltation of Donald Trump. Let's just be honest. Let's call it what it is. A lot of people seem to treat him like he's some sort of messiah. And while he did a lot of good things, he is a, he's quite the character. But 
he did do a lot of good things. There's no denying that. But at the same time, he's just a man. And you already see the trends now after this last election that you see how well Governor Ron DeSantis did in Florida. And he seems to have such very godly principles in his life. And perhaps he is a brother. I hope he is. But we have to be careful not to trust in him and not to exalt him to some higher level just because he's doing what he's supposed to do. You see that? The way he's conducting himself is the way that we are all supposed to be conducting ourselves. And the world finds it so strange when he acts this way. Just like I read an article about Governor DeSantis recently. I talked about the relationship he has with his wife. How his wife is his only confidant. And that any time he and his peers and people in the government want to go out and hang out, have parties and drink and all that, he doesn't go with them. He goes and hangs out with his wife. Nobody goes to Governor DeSantis without first going through his wife. And she pursues different things to help him in his work. And he drops everything and helps her when she was going through cancer and with the children, so on and so forth. You see how lovely that sounds? That's what we should all be doing. That's biblically sound parenting and relationship between a husband and wife. And yet the world finds it so strange. Why is he doing that? He just drops everything and hangs out with his wife. Why is this even a news article? This is the way it's supposed to be. But you, there's such an assault on the family right now. Such an assault on everything that is godly. Because the world will find godliness foolish. Even though what they're doing is foolish. The point I'm trying to make is, while yes, Governor DeSantis looks like a very good man, we have to be very careful not to put him on a pedestal and begin to trust that he's going to be the one to deliver the nation. Yes, let's prop him up for President 2024. Well, hang on. We haven't read perhaps the other parts of the Bible where it says, like in Romans chapter 13, all authority is established by God, all leadership, good or bad. And that's Some people struggle with that. So all these evil politicians and the ones running our country right now, the ones working behind the scenes and the World Economic Forum, so on and so forth, you mean God put them in power? Yeah, he did. But they're evil. They are. Why does God promote evil leaders? It has a purpose. There's more to it than we can see. And we know this from the Bible, that through evil, God can do amazing good. And usually, when he does this, all the action that he's going to take is going to glorify him in the long term. So wouldn't you see this about God so far, that he stacks the cards against himself on purpose so that it will be evident that it is not a work of man, but it is a work of a higher being? That's what I see he's doing. Wait for God. Don't wait for a man. Don't wait for a government system. Don't wait for an institution. Wait for God. Simply put. 
Psalm 131 is another short psalm, which is talking about how we should conduct ourselves in God's presence. David's coming back here to write a psalm, and he's talking about having a childlike expectation on the Lord, a childlike trust. And so he calls on us to hope in the Lord, just like Israel. My heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or things too difficult for me. A lot of the stuff going on on a global, national scale is way too big. Why are we worried about these things? We should be composed and quieting our souls, meaning we're at a state of peace and satisfaction, contentment, fully trusting and embracing God's leadership. And lastly, we have Psalm 132, which is a bit of a royal psalm. And there's two parts to this. One is it shows how we are asking the Lord to remember David and what he's done. And then to bless his lineage, which was truly blessed because of Jesus Christ. And then we see at the second half that God responds to this and makes his promise that he is going to fulfill that. And we can see this pick up at verse 12. If your sons will keep my covenant and my testimony, which I will teach them, their sons also shall sit upon your throne forever. Talking to David. Verse 14. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her needy with bread. And then he goes on and on to all the blessings that he will give to Jerusalem. So there is no doubt that even in today's world, Jerusalem is of significant importance to God. It is still God's chosen people and God's chosen city. And that's why there's also no surprise as well that in the end times, it says that the third iteration of the temple is going to be when things begin to happen. That when the temple is built for a third time in Jerusalem, that is, according to Scripture, when the Antichrist is going to come into the picture. And when that happens, then we will also see that in the new heavens and new earth, God still calls the new city New Jerusalem. So it is of value to God. That is why we've talked about this before. We need to stand with Israel. We need to stand with Jerusalem. It is still God's chosen land. And we're doing it for God. And with that, that is all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.